Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Election Observers podcast. You're joined by me, Juliana, and my co-host, Tom. On this episode, we're lucky to be joined by Lord Hayward, who recently joined us on episode 7 to talk about the introduction of his private members bill, the Ballot Secrecy Bill. We're grateful to have him back on the podcast to update us on the progression of his private members bill as it moves through Parliament. So thank you for joining us on this episode, Lord Hayward. And for those of our listeners who don't know the detailed processes of the parliamentary procedure, can you tell us a bit more about how your bill became redrafted and how it has proceeded through the Lords and now seems to be speeding through the Commons? I'm, I'm cautious about the last part, and we'll comment on that in a minute. If I can just go back a stage, I was lucky enough that I came out in the ballot uh, at number 10 in the private members' bills uh, list in the Lords. Unlike the Commons, we have to identify what we wanted to do before we put in for the bill. I put in that I wanted to deal with voting secrecy, family voting, as um, we call it, and the House of Lords private bill office drafts the bill, and I entered into it with second reading on July the 15th. And then there's been mayhem since. It's not just been with the government, because, of course, we've had different prime ministers. We've also had different elections ministers who have been being briefed by the officials. So this has proved a complication for me. The officials uh, came into discussion with the ministers saying they didn't like my bill, it was complicated, it wasn't necessary. But at the same time, I was working very comfortably with the Electoral Commission, who, as I indicated in the, my speech on July the 15th, was saying the bill is necessary. So I got government officials saying, no, it's not, and the Electoral Commission saying, yes, it is. The officials were briefing ministers without telling me what they were actually saying. Um, this was an internal government matter, which made it very difficult for me to know what was going on. Uh, I had very good uh, conversations with the Electoral Commission, and they reviewed it through council, who said it is necessary to change the law. So three, I think it's three elections ministers later, uh, I got a series of amendments from the officials literally at the last minute, and the procedure needs to be looked at, because I basically was given take it or leave it. I was able, in a very rushed manner, to have conversations with the officials, both virtually and face-to-face. -face. We had further conversations, and in the end agreed the amendments, which were then tabled by the government. So when we got to uh, the next reading, um, the government tabled amendments, which I had signed to indicate my support. So it was effectively a joint operation at that stage, but under pressure. And the reason I supported the amendments as much as anything else was because the final letter from the officials said to me, and I'm quoting now, this means that presiding officers will be able to ensure that voters are accompanied only by appointed companions acting in accordance with Rule 39 of the Parliamentary Elections Rules and equivalent rules for other elections covered by the bill. In other words, people who are disabled or blind who need assistance can be with them, but everybody else, uh, the presiding officer, has the power to exclude. So we've got there. 
We then had two stages of formalities. The opposition have been superb. I've kept them informed where I can. Both Lib Dems and Labour Party have made clear their support for the bill. And um, the Lord's Labour Chief Whip quite abnormally removed himself from the bench as Chief Whip and spoke as an individual peer uh, in support of the bill. So I'm very pleased that Lord Kennedy did that. And it's, it's quite an honour that he's done it. Perfect. So you mentioned there that the bill was amended at the committee stage in the Lords. Now, how has this affected your bill and what impact has this had? As I indicated, it's made clear in everybody's mind that the presiding officers will have powers to tell people. There's a lot of uncertainty at the moment and presiding officers quite often they're females and it's quite often the case that it's men who are refusing to move. And therefore, they feel worried, concerned, threatened, uh, and particularly because they do not believe they have the power of the law behind them. And this is what this law is intending to do. Uh, and therefore, it's been changed with my agreement because it's clear now that presiding officers will have the power, and you used the phrase in your first question, speeding through the commons, uh, it's a somewhat different process. But the day after it completed, the bill completed its stages in the Lords, it was introduced in the commons, and nobody had told me this was going to happen. Uh, and I suddenly thought, oh my God, this is running out of control. And, but we talked to the authorities in the Commons. They were absolutely clear that was the right thing to do. They all understand that all parties want to support it. So uh, we've been in negotiation. The Lord's bills go, that go to the Commons go to the bottom of the queue, whereas Commons private members' bills that come to the Lords go to the top of the queue. It's, it's a bit of an unfair procedure, but that's how it works. And it's another thing I'd like to change. Um, but let's get my bill through first. And so, um, and of course, there's been this row that people like Christopher Chope, MP and others have just objected to private members' bills because they haven't been debated. But um, we're navigating our way through the process and touch wood, second reading will take place this coming Friday, the 9th of December. Uh, it's a formality, um, but I understand, and I'm talking touching wood, I'm very superstitious. I'm too West Country by origin to do anything other than touch wood, but I hope that we will get second reading and then go from there fairly uh, clearly by stages to get the bill of law. Absolutely. And you mentioned your surprise at the speed at which it's now passing through into the Commons. Um, but one of the things that we were we were made aware of from having a chat as well is that you've been able to to find an MP and choose an MP to pilot your bill through the House of Commons. Uh, and so I was just wondering, that was uh, my understanding, that's Paul Bristow, who's the MP for Peterborough. Is that right? Yes, it is. 
That's it. And I just wondered then, was there any particular reason that you chose Paul to therefore take it forward? Or was, um, there, or was there something that was driving your decision making there? No, um, you have to find a backbencher. So you can't have a minister because you're still dealing with a private member's bill. Uh, because I deal with parliamentary boundaries for the Tory party, one of the two people who organised the representations, I know a disproportionate number of MPs. Uh, and I've dealt with Paul. And he has also, there have been issues of electoral fraud in Peterborough, which are separate from this, but he is somebody who has the advantage that he has looked at electoral law. It is amazing how little most MPs know about electoral law. Um, it, it is just staggering. Uh, when you ask them about signing their expenses, they say, oh, no, I've never signed expenses. Well, of course, they have to assign expenses after every election, but they just haven't registered. That's what they've done because it's gone through a process. So I was looking for an MP who had some knowledge of election law, uh, and Paul uh, seemed to be the right person. I could have chosen one or two others, but I opted for Paul. That's great then, that's it. because obviously we had a team that were there up in the Peterborough by-election in 2019, in which we did observe some family voting there. So was that something that you discussed with him at all prior to that? Or I, I didn't know that you had a team there. Um, and uh, I will say that I've used democracy volunteers, paperwork, uh, reports fairly copiously, both with Paul Bristow and his office. And also um, Chris Chobe, who I referred to earlier, who has a certain view about private members' bills. Uh, and I took him through the research that you've done, the recent reports that you've done on the mayoral elections, Tower Hamlets, Northern Ireland, across the country, uh, to emphasise the scale of the problem of uh, uh, family voting across the country. Because there is a certain misconception that says, oh, it only happens in certain places. Well, it doesn't. You know as well as I do that it doesn't. And people, MPs that I've spoken to and ministers have been struck by the democracy volunteers' figures and the scale of the problem across the country and therefore the need for some form of action. No, thank you. It's always nice to know that the paperwork is being read. There's plenty there for lots of people to enjoy. That's it. But, but I guess then going forward, obviously, you've talked about the second reading being much of a formality. But going forward, what are your hopes or your expectations for the bill completing in that parliamentary process? I said earlier on that I'm too West Country to have expectations. I'm, they're, they're all hopes. Um, and I'm hoping that the legislation will be completed by uh, February, March. But I have deliberately left open, with agreement from the ministers and the officials, the actual implementation date. Um, because there is so much elections law arising out of the Elections Act, which was only passed a few months ago, that I don't want to add a further burden. Now, it may be, and I haven't had a, a full discussion with the Electoral Commission about this at this stage, but they are going to rewrite elections guidance because of other matters. Uh, it may be that it makes sense to write the elections guidance at the same time in relation to my legislation if it gets passed. 
it, they may say, look, we're so snowed under, can we do it as a separate item and we'll bring it forward? So I'm not sure, even if it gets passed in February or March, when it will actually be put into effect. Um, but I, I'm keen that it should be as quickly as possible. Um, but we'll have to take all the other pressures into consideration. No, thank you. I guess then as a slight follow up and building on some of what you've talked about there, what you, your private members bill has done has brought electoral conduct and process back into the kind of forefront. So I guess from your personal reflection as well, you talked about some of those informal discussions you've had. How have you found bringing up discussions around electoral process and electoral conduct in, in Parliament with some of your colleagues uh, from across the House? Um, a mixed, primarily surprise. Because most people think automatically that every individual will vote on their own in a polling booth. And I've shown them on many occasions the Democracy Volunteers reports. I have to explain to them, because the first reaction is that, oh, that's the percentage of people who voted with somebody looking over their shoulder. And I say, no, it's the percentage of people, uh, of places where family voting was witnessed, i.e. in a polling station. So if they see a figure of 30%, they automatically think 30% of voters have had somebody looking over their shoulders. And I explained to them very carefully that what you've done in studied research is that it takes place at that many polling stations. Uh, I should, by the way, one thing I've missed out, uh, throw in at this stage, is that next Wednesday the 14th, I think I've got the date right, at 11 o'clock in Westminster Hall, Paul Bristow has got a debate on elections and integrity, where democracy volunteers' work will be quoted copiously. And it's part of the process of reassuring the people in the Commons, the MPs, that the matter has been adequately debated. I think they're reassured by the amount of time that's been given in the Lords, but this gives the opportunity to members of Parliament to participate in a debate. So there is a debate, as I say, instigated by Paul Bristow next Wednesday um, on elections and integrity, and democracy volunteers will um, feel their ears burning as they are lauded left, right and centre uh, by all and sundry. And it's interesting that the support of the other parties is continuing. Uh, and I notified the other parties that Paul Bristow had got this debate next week. And immediately the Liberal Democrats came back and said, um, we will be ensuring that somebody is there to speak in the debate in Westminster Hall. No, well, it sounds like there's there's plenty more to come and we look forward to learning lots more about it as it all progresses. But thank you so much for your time, Lord Haywood. It's been a real pleasure again. And we look forward to seeing progress and updates as it goes through. Well, so do I. Thank you very much. I look forward to the progress. As I say, I, I think we've mustered it as well as we can now. Um, we're going to continue to work on it. And we will, with your assistance, be tackling a degree of ignorance about issues of, uh, and I'm not saying elections fraud, but complications associated with carrying out an election, which most MPs and most members of the Lords are not aware of. Thank you.